When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Michigan State is 0-3 in the Big Ten for the first time since 2000-2002 season. What's wrong with the Spartans? We'll try and answer that question on episode 16 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Happy holidays, Spartan Nation. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Lawson on Wednesday, December 30, 2020. Uh, our last show of 2020, it's New Year's Eve Eve, Kyle. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, what's the best thing you got for Christmas? Best thing I got for Christmas, huh? Uh, I'm old and boring now, man. I get old, boring stuff. I got flannel shirts and um, um, and stuff like that. Um, so I can't, I can't say anything exciting. I can tell you what a fun thing my kids got, though. They got remote control cars and guitars and all sorts of fun stuff. So I want to go. I want to go back to being a being a young kid again, man. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, at some point in the Christmas spirit, you go from, I'm not sure exactly what age it is, but you go from being excited about getting gifts to being excited about giving gifts to other people. Yes. Like just seeing mm-hmm. the, the, whether it's kids or family members or, I've definitely reached mm-hmm. that stage now. You know, I think 30 might be the threshold where you, you, you suddenly <laughs> are like, you get more excited about giving gifts than getting them. You know, because I got close yeah, for sure. mostly. You know? Yeah, I got close to and that's fine. So, um, but no, well, watching watching my three year old race around his remote control car is better than anything, uh, better than any gift I got. So, for sure. Um, well, Tom Izzo uh, probably has a few things on his Christmas list that he would like to uh, get figured <laughs> out, or maybe some New Year's resolutions are more important at this point. We'll get into many of the reasons the Spartans are struggling lately. If you could please like, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening, it would be very helpful. Um, like I always say, tell a, tell a fellow Spartan about us if you enjoy listening. Um, I've always said we, we would like this to be a more uh, personal touch, more, more of a, a personality approach um, to our coverage in Michigan State. We, that sometimes can't come through in the writing, and Kyle's busy you know, tracking all the news and all the time. So this is the way we can kind of talk directly to you. But uh, yeah, Kyle, let's get into it. The Spartans are really riding the struggle bus lately. Uh, as I said, Michigan State lost its third straight game to Minnesota on Monday night. Uh, this is after what Tom called an inept loss at Northwestern and a close loss to Wisconsin on Christmas Day. So this podcast is going to revolve around one simple question. What's wrong with Michigan State? Um, so, Kyle, where do you want to start with this? Because we could go in a lot of different directions. But what do you see as the main issue? Uh, it, it's hard to say one main thing. I mean, let's start with the offense. Cause I mean, I think against Minnesota, that was clearly, uh, the bigger issue. Um, I didn't think they were great defensively, but, 
man, just, just nothing coming easy at all for this group. Um, I, I think you have to start with point guard play. Um, you know, Rocket Watts, as you revealed afterwards, had asked to move more to shooting guard um, and just said he wasn't comfortable there. Um, you know, he, he's shooting um, not at all like he can, not, not scoring like he can, um, and, and that's bringing them down. Uh, Aaron Henry and Josh Langford haven't been really been any better. I mean, they're in their natural positions, but um, those guys have not been able to get anything going. Um, uh, Joey Hauser, I, I think that was more just a one down, one bad game for him shooting. I didn't think he had terrible shots and he was fantastic against uh, Wisconsin. But I, I look mainly at those three perimeter guys offensively, uh, Watts, Langford and Aaron Henry, and they've got to figure out a way to get them going. They've got to figure out their point guard spot, who, who they want to have their the minutes distribution. Um, and, but but they need Aaron Henry too to be doing a little bit more. They need these guys getting to the free throw line, creating contact, um, not enough free throws. You know, too many of these mid range pull up contested baskets. And I mean, I know I know twenty five percent is just bad. I mean, that, that's missing shots you should make. But I don't think they made it easy on themselves either. Just running offense. They don't have a point guard who's able to to find guys and create open easy opportunities. So. Um, th- that's probably the biggest one is figuring out how to make things come a little bit easier, whether it's, um, trying to get out and transition more, whether it's, um, uh, getting somebody at the point guard, who's going to move, who's going to move the ball a little bit more, whether that's getting to the free throw line. I, I don't know what the answer is, and I'm going to be curious to see how they kind of attack it, but, um, they're going to need to find a way to, to, to get that offense coming a lot better than it did on, against, uh, Minnesota the other night. Reading from your story here, through three Big Ten games, Watts is shooting just 17% from the field. Monday's one-for-nine shooting performance marked his toughest shooting out yet, and he's yet to shoot a free throw in conference play. I mean, that's just – this is a guy we thought would be, you know, an all-first-team Big Ten-type player. You know, he was really coming mm-hmm. on at the end of last year. Much expected from him this year. It's pretty clear the transition to point guard is, has not been going great. I mean, he, no. you, you reported that he had asked to move to the two, which is why Foster Dallaire was in the starting lineup the other night. And I had speculated on that before the game that, well, maybe they're just trying to get Rocket to focus on scoring. Because with a guy like him, he sees a couple early shots goes down. He can start get going. But when he gets on, right. when he gets off to a rough start like he did against Wisconsin, uh, and then obviously against Minnesota and Northwestern, really, he's just really struggling. He doesn't seem to have that flow and rhythm. He's getting taken off the court uh, and put in, subbed out because he's, he's not efficient on offense. It's just really puzzling with this guy. And Aaron Henry as well is a third-year guy getting, you know, he played remarkably well as a freshman. I mean, really, really well as a mm-hmm. freshman. Obviously, they had veteran guys on that team. Down the stretch last year, he was playing just as well as anyone on the team. He had a little bit of a rough start to the season. But suddenly, we're back to that Aaron Henry who is forcing bad shots. He's taking contested mid-range jumpers. He's missing layups, and it seems to be affecting him on the defensive end. We can talk about a lot Mm -hmm. of different things, but the bottom line is is if Rocket Watts and Aaron Henry don't start to play better, this team has no chance at competing for a Big Ten title or anything, really. Yeah, and and – you know, I, I'm very, very curious about what they do with Rocket Watts going forward because they, I, it just seems like he has too much in his head at point guard, and, and he can't focus on what he does best, which is scoring ball. He's creating his own shot, um, uh, doing ISO stuff, um, getting to the hoop, drawing fouls. I mean, and not not everybody is made to be a point guard, and that's fine. Um, and it just seems like more and more, like you said, it's they're trying to get a square peg into a round hole, and. Um, 
if, if they weren't able to do it during non-conference play, it's hard to see them really making a full transition like this in Big Ten play. Um, so if that's, if that's going to be the case, I mean, I, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you try to get Foster Lawyer out there more? I think we've thoroughly covered the issues with that. Um, I know A.J. Hogard had a pretty good run with maybe a bright spot against Minnesota, but that's far from a sure thing. Do you do something weird like, you know, get Aaron Henry at the point more, at least run offense through him, run more offense through Joey Hauser? Um, I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go, but I, I, I don't think trying to, to have Rocket Watts be your primary guy anymore is good for him, and I don't think it's good for the team anymore. So you got to figure something else out. 18 minutes for Foster Lawyer in the starting role. He had eight points, was one of the few guys who made a couple three-pointers. A.J. Hogard with a season-high 15 points, did have nine points, uh, two steals, one assist. Uh, a lot of people clamoring for A.J. Hogard and Mati Sissoko to get more minutes. That's been the case all year, but we saw them get a little bit more extended run in this game because, you know, the starters just weren't playing very well. Hogard was mm-hmm. the one guy to me, just from the eye test, who looked like he was capable of – getting to the basket, creating his own shot and taking smart shots. I mean, he made some mistakes too. Um, That's going to happen as a freshman, but I think he needs to get more minutes. I mean, Foster Lawyer is not really going to hurt you most of the time, at least on offense, but you know, he's, he's Mm -hmm. limited because of his stature. There's bigger guards are going to be able to take him when you go against teams like Wisconsin, like to post up their guards. That is not going to be a matchup that's suitable for Foster Lawyer. He's just matchup dependent. Um, and Hogard is a, is a bigger guy, at least for a freshman, especially who looks like he has the body to play in the big 10. Did Tom say anything about Hogard? Because fans really want him to play more now. I mean, he mentioned he played well, but it's, you know, you know, it reminds me of like a football team whose quarterback isn't playing, uh, well, you know, it, it, I don't think you can just flip the switch and go to the backup and that fixes everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I think that something like he did the other night playing 15 minutes a game off the bench, you can give him something, but, um, I I don't think it's realistic to say that, okay, we're just going to plug AJ Hogarth in there and play him 35 minutes a game. And we're good. Um, he he had a good run. He looked, I agree. He looked more like a point guard than, than the other guys that have been there. Um, and he deserves more than what he's had and and same with Marty to a certain extent, but, um, I, I still think it's going to come down to getting more out of your key guys and, yeah. and figuring out what's better for Rocket Watts and um, and what needs to happen with Aaron Henry going forward. And um, AJ Hogarth could be a, a a key guy in the long run. I think he deserves a role like he had the other night. Uh, but I, I don't see this. I don't see him being like the magic key to unlocking this whole thing. I guess. I, I think fans are just kind of frustrated with what's, I mean, Tom is, was a hall of famer. He knows more than any of us idiots on the internet, but like he just, he, it seems like he's like throwing darts at the wall when it comes to his rotations and his mm-hmm. substitution patterns. Like it's, it, it seems, he, I mean, he's always subbed a lot, he, but it seems more random than usual this year. And maybe that's because he's searching for something that's going to work. But I think it's frustrating for fans when we see, you know, things that are occurring on the court that don't seem great. And we just have like 14 random lineup combinations out there. They get off to a rough start with lawyer in the starting lineup Mm -hmm. the other night. I don't know what the answer is, but I can see how it would be frustrating. It's funny, you know, we talked earlier in the year about how they have a lot. They don't have, you know, a superstar or one or two really good guys. And they have a lot of balance, which, you know, I admittedly was – um, presenting is something good earlier in the year. And there are good aspects to that. But I think what you just mentioned is the downside of that is that nobody in this team really at all has separated themselves, you know, one through nine, 10, 11. So 
Tom Izzo, yes, he usually plays bigger rotations. They're usually slimmed down by now. Um, you usually know who about the top eight are. He wants that to happen. Um, but he's told us repeatedly, I need somebody to step up and take the spot. And, and nobody across the board almost, you know, nobody at, at center has taken up, um, gone on to take that job. Uh, we know less about po- the point guard job um, than we did at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, you know, it, it's across the board. I mean, there's nobody that's stepping up. And conversely, there's nobody. I mean, Marcus Bingham's fallen out a little bit. Some other guys have seen their roles decrease. But nobody has really played that poorly enough to, to fall out of it. So it's, it's easy to say, all right, Tom, make a decision. But um, I, I think part of this is on some of the players to step up and kind of demand that role and say, okay, that's a guy who needs to be out there for 25 minutes. And I'm, I'm not seeing anybody really doing that. I'm seeing a lot of the same things from a lot of guys, and it's hard to create a hierarchy, I think, when that's the, the, uh, the situation. Shockingly, it doesn't seem like anyone has gotten better, at least so far right. this year. I mean, like, Foster Lawyer has gotten better. Okay, we'll say that. Kithier, I think, has shown some things the last two games. Stop! Time to stop blaming things on Thomas Kithier, by the way. Um, but like, <laughs> but like, when you when you, like Henry Watts, they they don't look improved. Gabe Brown doesn't seem that improved, and, no, and these are say, guys. Gabe we Brown were... is. Th- Go ahead. I yeah, I mean, Gabe, Gabe Brown. The guys with the ceilings are not getting better. You know, like like credit to Thomas Kithier, credit to Farshuler. They're playing well. They're about at their ceilings. That's about what you're going to get out of those guys for the uh-huh. most part. I think. Um, They need guys. Gabe Brown, to me, is a guy who could have stepped up and been a guy and getting a lot more minutes, maybe take that starting role. Um, I I hate to say it for Josh. This is going to be a difficult thing with him, but um, he's not what he was. You you look at him defensively against guys. um, He he can't guard as well as he used to be able to some of these high-level guards. It's not a coincidence how many high-level guards have torched Michigan State's defense, you know, whether it's Demetrius Trice the other day. Marcus Carr, I mean, he didn't score 30, but, uh, you know, he got his points. Boo-booey. Um, even going back against – Boo-booey did it. Oakland, you know, uh, Oakland did it. Um, you know, the kid from Detroit did it. it just about every game somebody's been able to do that. And, and, and it's not all on Langford. Other guys have done it. But, um, you know, he's not able to get to the rim anymore. He doesn't have the athleticism that he used to. I, there's a role for him on the team. I'm not saying he's not in the rotation, but I think he's more of a 15-minute guy. Utilizes three-point shooting because he can still shoot, shoot the three-pointer pretty well. I, I don't need as much of these get into the lane, can't get to the hoop, pull up, long, contested mid-range. Um, I, I don't think they need that as much. So, um, uh, But, you know, you know who, who else are you going to play there, too? I mean, Gabe Brown's not, not stepping up to do that. Um, I don't see a whole lot of other guys. So th- th- this is what it is. I mean, there's nobody – nobody is demanding those minutes right now. Josh Langford, very clearly not the same player. Let's be expected after these injuries. But one thing mm-hmm. I think that he could do better is – and I, I'm not in the locker room. I'm on the sideline. But he's the only senior on the team. someone has to take control of this team from a vocal standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, call a players only meeting, do something because, and and I feel like it has to be him. I mean, you say, what's wrong with Michigan state? Well, they don't have a center and a point guard. Who did they lose last year? Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. I mean, like if you, if you look at this team, what's their biggest issue? Well, their biggest issue is that they don't have Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. I mean, the the, the void that these two guys left on this team, I think that, you know, they were such great leaders, such amazing players, such on the court captains where Tom Izzo could rely on those guys for them to get the other guys in shape. We saw it multiple times last year 
Aaron Henry or someone doesn't do their job, Xavier Tillman is on the court yelling at them in their face. Yeah. And, and Tom has always said his best teams are when he has the captains on the court. Any coach is going to say that. This team doesn't mm-hmm. have that anymore, and they relied on that for so long that I'm not sure anyone else is comfortable stepping up into that role, especially with when the, when the on-court performance hasn't been great, especially from a guy like Langford, who theoretically should be that guy. But, right. you know, his on-court play hasn't really backed – he can't really – it's one of those things like you can't really tell other people they're playing crappy when you're not really doing anything. So I don't know what the easy right. answer is. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's none. Uh, but I, I still think Langford can give them more. I mean, he, listen, he might not be playing his best basketball right now, but he is still an extremely respected voice in that room from players and coaches, most experienced guys, you said. Um, and, and he's done some little things. I remember being at Northwestern when Rocket Watch was really struggling early, kind of the beginning of these uh, Big Ten struggles. And Josh was there on the bench kind of talking him through it. I think he is doing some things. And like you said, we're not in practices. We're not in the locker room. I think he is doing some things, but I'm not seeing it on the court. I'm not seeing a guy when they've been struggling really kind of whip everybody together, you know, get everybody into a huddle. Um, I I don't see anybody kind of taking being that on-court voice for them right now. Um, And I, I think it could be Josh Langford. I think it could be Aaron Henry too, but they don't have, Tom Israel talked the other night a lot about not having an alpha. Um, you know, there's no dream on greens, not walking through that door. Uh, Xavier Tillman, I think was, was that last year. I mean, you would see him definitely getting on guys when they weren't mm-hmm. doing their jobs. Nobody's doing that. And I don't see it in anybody's personality. So I think they're going to need to get what they can out of it. And also just kind of learn how to, how to operate without one of those guys right now. Cause I don't think that, I don't think that they're, they're walking through that door. And I don't think you can ask Aaron Henry to start cussing everybody out because that's not really in his personality. No. Yeah. I mean, and big picture wise, I mean, Michigan state, you know, it's, it's early in the season still, this is three games into the big 10 season. We've seen teams have these speed bumps before. I mean, we saw last year's mm-hmm. team have speed bumps with Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. And I think nationally, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Mich-, you know, they say people who don't pay attention to Michigan State like every day. I see it on Twitter from the national guys. I see it on Twitter from fans of other teams. You know, oh, this always happens to Michigan State. They'll get it figured out. They'll be cooking by March. Uh, you know, Tom will get them going. They'll figure it out. Well, I'm just going to dabble. I'm just, we're going to take us back in time real quick here, Kyle. Just, just real quick, okay? Back in the time right. machine. You, the, you wrote, the way back machine. Yeah, you wrote about how this is Michigan State's first 0-3 start in the Big Ten since the 2001-2002 season. Let's go back to mm. that season, 2001-2002. Uh, Michigan State finished the regular season 19-12. and They were 10-6, and tied for fourth place in the Big Ten. It's hilarious that that's, that's like a bad, a bad season. Both <laughs> fingers. They did receive a bit of the NCAA tournament. Uh, a ten, they were a 10 seed that year, lost to NC State in the first round. Okay, could that be a potential route for this team? We'll see. Looking back at that 2001 team, they lost games to pretty much every big opponent they played. The, the roster that year, the only senior on the team was Matt Ishbia, former walk-on, averaged <laughs> one point a game. They had eight, uh, Adam Ballinger was a junior, averaged 11 and seven. So he, those were your two, mm-hmm. that was your one impact upperclassman. The rest of the key players on this team, Alan Anderson was a freshman. Uh, Marcus Taylor was a sophomore, averaging 17 points a game. Kelvin Torbert was a freshman, averaging eight points a game. Chris Hill was a freshman. Aloysia Santagagne was a sophomore. Uh, are, are you catching a little there's, – there's a lot of similarities between that team that went 10-6, and six, got a 10 seed, uh, and this mm-hmm. team, quite frankly. I mean, the lack of veteran leadership, 
Uh, I mean, and they're all different teams, but I just found the parallels. And one other note, actually, they also had a game canceled at Virginia in that season. Uh, when they were supposed to play yeah, at Virginia. Wet, wet, wet floor. Yeah. yeah. So that's just another, you know, irony of the thing. But my point mm-hmm. here is not – it's obviously a different team. My point is that sometimes it doesn't get figured out. No. And, and I – yeah, and I, that's certainly a possibility here. I mean, we've gotten very used to them figuring this out, and they might, um, but there's a chance they don't. Because was, I was looking, through, doing a little bit of research of my own earlier today, too, and the three-game, to me, a three-game losing streak in the Big Ten in and of itself is really not anything uncommon for Michigan State. They've done it in four of the last five years. Obviously, they've come back and won Big Ten titles in three of those. Um, you know, last year they were nine and six in the big 10 at one point, lost four out of five and they come back and do it. Um, so that's the good news is that three game losing streak in the big 10 is not a killer. Um, and you know, maybe they don't win the big 10, but it's not a killer as far as having a good season, you know, getting into the NCAA tournament, doing well there. Uh, to me, that's the good news. To me, the bad news is most of those, especially the recent ones, happened where you had a, a good team that had already won games and it established itself going through a rough patch. Um, you know, we knew last year when they started losing some games that they had Cassius Winston and they had guys who had won Big Ten titles before. So I think there was something to kind of harken back to and say, all right, if they can just get back to playing the way they were a month ago, then they're good. Uh, this is a, a totally new-look team that has not proven that it can win um, at a high level in the Big Ten. And this three-game losing streak is coming right from day one of Big Ten play. So they don't have anything to look back to. I mean, yeah, they beat Duke. I don't know how much that means right now. Uh, so that, that's, that's what makes me think that what you just described is a little bit more possible than it was in the, la- the last couple of times they've gone through this because um, they don't have uh, – they, they haven't – this group has not proven to me that they can win games at a high level in the Big Ten. I, I think they'll probably come back and beat Nebraska this weekend. Um, but I, I, something like you described where they're kind of, you know, a middle of the road, big 10 team, maybe they, they probably get into the tournament. Um, but this is kind of a transition year that that certainly seems well within the, the realm of possibility to me right now. This isn't your grandfather's big 10 either. I mean, this, this no, is it's, it's tough. This year. So I, you're yeah. play, you could be playing a ranked team every night. I mean, you, you flip, you look at the schedule there's ranked Big Ten teams going head-to-head every single night. And uh, this league is not forgiving. And even Nebraska, who we thought, along with Northwestern, who hung with Iowa last night to take their first Big Ten loss, by the way, um, we think Nebraska's the worst team in the league. But you're going on the road. You're playing another road game. You're walking into Pinnacle Bank Arena. Like, it's mm-hmm. Nebraska. They get Michigan trouble there. Yeah, I mean, they, they've given Michigan State trouble there in the past. I mean, yeah. do you see this as a must-win? You know, I, I, I'm doing a mailbag right now, which, by the way, if you're listening, send me questions. Uh, but somebody asked me that, and I, 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 can't, I cannot call it a summer game, or I guess it'll be a January game right then, but I can't call an early January game a, a must-win. Um, maybe in terms of, like, Big Ten title, I, I, that's not the foremost thing for me right now. You know, it, it's figuring it out and, and having um, figuring out what it's going to look like. What is its identity going forward? So, no, it's not the end of the world to lose on Saturday um, as well. I, I would be shocked if a team can start 0-4 and win in the Big Ten this year the way it is. So, yeah. so maybe if you're just talking strictly Big Ten title, yes, then maybe it is a must win. But, but in terms of, you know, the bigger picture, um, listen, I, I think back to that Denzel Valentine senior year. You remember that he – 
he got hurt in December. Um, they ended up losing three straight in the Big Ten early. Actually, it was after he came back, but they were so disjointed after he came back from injury. They lost three straight out of the Big Ten title mix. Uh, but they figured it out in February, got to be really, really good, and were a number two seed. And I know you don't want to talk about what happened after that. Um, but, um, Please, no. <laughs> you know, but, but that's the thing where, you know, but that's a situation where, yeah, maybe this team takes itself out of the Big Ten race. But there's a lot of games left for it to figure out its rotations, figure out its identity, figure out its personnel, and focus on making a run in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And. That, that's still very much on the table. There's definitely a lot of time left for, for this team to, to figure out what it is. Yeah, I mean, they have talent. We know that. They have talent. We've seen right. guys on this team mm-hmm. perform at the highest level. So it's not a talent issue. It's something is just off on this team. Maybe it's learning how to play without Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. Maybe they got to figure out the rotation and guys just have to play better. Mm -hmm. They got to make shots. They got to move the ball more. They got to get out in transition. They got to rebound better. They got almost doubly. They almost got rebounded two to one the other night against, against Minnesota. I mean, like this, the brain. I'll add a caveat to that that just that that that's because they missed 50 shots too but but keep <laughs> true true there's more to yeah. rebound if you're clanking the iron <laughs> yeah. that's for sure right but just like from the eye test watching it it doesn't look like a brand of michigan state basketball that we've gotten used to so that's that i think that's just and then one game it's the defense one game it's the offense i mean they shot 47 percent from the field against wisconsin they played pretty well i thought but they couldn't stop them they couldn't stop wisconsin right. and that's just weird from a from, from, you know, we're a bunch of spoiled brats, Michigan State fans. We've <laughs> enjoyed a nice run here. But, like, it's just weird to see from a Michigan State Tom Izzo team. It, it is very strange to see. I, I, I guess based on what you said, the good news is that I, I completely agree. They have talent. They have pieces there. Um, and if you're looking for an upside of Michigan State, it's that they have that and they have Tom Izzo on their bench, who has figured out a lot of, a lot of problems with teams and sorted through a lot of issues and midseason and gotten teams going. So to me, you've got the pieces and you've got the coach. I don't think there's any reason to believe that they can't figure this out and, um, and get something going and look like a lot different team in, in February. But it's, uh, I'll tell you, I mean, that's, this is why he gets paid a lot of money and why he knows a lot more about basketball than we do. Because sitting here right now, I, I don't see any easy answers like we've been talking about. I don't see any easy answers at point guard. I don't see, um, any nice, simple ways to get that offense going. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know who they go to on defense on the perimeter for some of their issues there. Um, and I'm fascinated to see how they approach some of these things because these coaches are going to learn, earn their money here in the next couple of weeks because they're, they're going to have a lot of stuff to figure out. But like you said, I think they've got the pieces. It's just going to be which levers do you pull um, and, and what makes it, what makes it work. It says it in my Twitter bio, Kyle, in Tom we trust. That's, 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 that's <laughs> what I'm going with here because the guy has certainly earned uh, our, our, our trust. I mean, we, we have to just we have to bank on Izzo here because uh, the guys are there, the, the talent's there, just got to fit the puzzle pieces together. So uh, anything else you want to touch on as, as Michigan State gets ready on Saturday? I believe the game's at 8 uh, from Lincoln. I imagine you're not going to Lincoln, right? No, no, not going to Lincoln. Uh, probably, probably just doing driving trips for now. Um, but, you know, we're able to talk to everybody we want, we want to talk to. We'll talk to Izzo, you know, we're recording here on Wednesday. We'll talk to him tomorrow and hopefully get some answers about, uh, you know, and I kind of give away the whole game plan. But I'm very curious to see um, how he kind of responds. You know, the, you know I, it's been interesting to me to see kind of how Izzo has handled this team too because – 
he, he's not throwing chairs. He's not screaming at anybody during games. Uh, aside from that Northwestern game, he really hasn't been calling guys out in post game and acting really despondent. Um, he's kind of being, being good cop right now. Um, and you know, I, that seems to be the approach that he thinks needs to be taken with this team right now is kind of building them up more so than tearing them down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I don't know what that says. People can draw from that what they, what they will, but it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting choice for it. Interesting to see him with his team playing the way they are acting pretty calm. I'll draw that he's trying to give Rocky Watts and Aaron Henry confidence through positive reinforcement rather That's than probably the most likely thing. Yeah. Because they're these, I mean, Aaron Henry's, Everyone knows, oh, Tom Izzo yelling at Aaron Henry in the tournament a couple of years ago. Like, it's not like these guys can't take criticism. They don't come to Michigan State if they can't handle that hard style of coaching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are two guys that when they're playing with confidence, they're as good as anyone in the country, to be honest with you. So maybe he's just trying right. to instill some of that in them. But if that's the case, uh, here's one thing I will question. I, I, I get the lineup switch. If Rocket wants off the point, take him off the point. That's fine. I didn't get benching Aaron Henry as yeah. a result of that. that to me, weird. Langford would have made more sense. He, he explained it as a defensive thing. Like he wanted Rocket to start on Marcus Carr and then Aaron, Hen- or then, then Aaron Henry to come off the bench on Marcus Carr. So maybe that makes sense. But to me, Aaron Henry has been yo-yoed in and out of the lineup a fair amount. It seems mm-hmm. like over the years, there'll be a game or two where he'll pull him out. And um, it didn't make sense in that moment for, to him. And, and maybe he was trying to light a fire, but it certainly seemed like it went the other way where he did not – he did not fare well in that role. Yeah, that just goes back to what fans are calling, you know, random lineups, random lineup right. rotations. So, um, but you know what? It's Tom's team. As my dog continues to mess with his collar, it's really annoying. <laughs> uh, but it's Tom Izzo's team. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, we have to trust him. He knows about anything. If anyone's going to get this figured out, it's him, and it's going to be the guys because they know what's at stake here. They know the, the, the expectations when you play basketball at Michigan State. So it's going to be fascinating to watch because it felt like we were kind of on cruise control at certain points the last few years with Cassius Winston at the helm. Um, so who's going to step up? That's what we need to know. Who's going to pick up their play? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the question. It will certainly be fascinating to watch. But that's going to do it here for the, the final show of 2020 of the Spartan Confidential podcast. Uh, We'll have to keep following what's going on. Will you stop? Please. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode. Send Kyle those questions for his mailbag. Uh, we'll answer some of them up maybe on the future podcast as well. Please like, rate, mm-hmm. and review the podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, 8 o'clock, Saturday night, Michigan State and Nebraska. Big game suddenly for the Spartans as they try and get this season back on track. We'll be watching, and we will be back to reflect on all of it on the Spartan Confidential Podcast. Um, But uh, everyone stay safe on the New Year's. Be smart out there. um, And let's have a better 2021 than 2020. Sound good, Kyle? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, love you, Spartan Nation. Stay safe out there. And until next time, go green.